morning, folks. Today is July 26th, 2022. It's a Tuesday. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to episode 161 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get some value out of this stream. Let's do this. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor right there on the bottom of the placard. Mic volume is really low, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Let's investigate this. All right. Uh, so my slider's all the way up, so that's not going to happen. Let's juice the gain a little bit. Huh? Juice the gain. How's that? How's that? Is this cranked? Is this cranked? Shout out to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions right there. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, like CISP, SISM, CISA. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so two and a half a week, roughly 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. And the best way to document that, the action to take, is to drop a comment in chat. Say, what's up in chat? Say, hello. Say, I'm here. Say, what? Just say anything. I mean, you could say a bunch of stuff. You can engage to your face goes numb in chat, but at least you say something once. Where where are you where are you uh where are you at this morning? Or if it's this afternoon, where are you at? You in Europe, Asia, Saudi, Iran, Australia, New Zealand, Poughkeepsie, Scranton, wherever you're at, say what's up. And uh then you'll have unequivocal uh forensic evidence that you were here because it's going to get burned right into the stream right over there if you're live love it thanks so much for being here i see 58 of you and i can't wait to say good morning to each of you uh after the intro here if you're watching on replay hashtag team replay in the comments let us know that you watched on replay plus you get credit for those cpes want to thank you for catching the stream making it work for your schedule also quick reminder we are pushing the stream the audio of this stream directly to an audio podcast right after the stream ends so about 9 9 15 a.m every weekday morning so if you'd prefer to catch it uh in audio format subscribe on your podcast app of choice and i think when i push it publish it whatever um you'll get notified you can go to simplyside.io slash podcast for more information if you are watching on replay and you don't want to do the pleasantries and skip right to the news. When this placard uh, changes, it'll be about 90 seconds from now. We'll be into the news. If you're listening on audio, just hit jump, jump, jump three times and uh, we'll be into the news. But as I said, for the next 90 seconds, one of my favorite parts of the day, welcoming each of you into the stream. Good morning, Miranda McCurdy, Jacob Small. Good to see you. Hey, Carrie, always good. A regular on the streams. Kimberly McKnight. Kimberly McKnight with a great Cybersecurity Central video published earlier uh, this week, Sunday or Monday, uh, discussing how she broke into the industry. So if you're looking for some inspiration, if you're looking how it can actually happen instead of what, a, you know, I don't know, some kind of like pie in the sky uh, dream sequence looks like, what you want to see when, when you really 
you know, put in the put in the work, do all the things that we're always talking about and how it can materialize into breaking into the industry. Kimberly McKnight, Cybersecurity Central. You can catch it on YouTube and LinkedIn. Jake Rice's CTF Discord blew up. Very nice, Jake. Jake Rice, guys, if you're interested in basically joining kind of a um a gig economy type pool of hackers, like I'm not even doing it fair. Jake Rice in chat right now. Um, <clears throat> maybe connect with him. He's basically trying to assemble a group of people who are interested in CTFs, and then whenever they're going to enter one, they can just crowdsource a team real quick uh, of like-minded professionals who want to do CTFs instead of, you know, figuring it out. Great idea, great idea, Jake. Uh, very happy for you. Look forward to that. Speaking of CTFs, uh, Trace Labs is doing a CTF in Vegas. I'm not sure if it's invite only. I do know that base. Um, base case in chat is uh putting together a team i might be competing i think i missed out on the on the uh, team signups <clears throat> but if i might be an alternate i don't know i'm pretty excited though if i do get to compete in a ctf in vegas all right axiom brevity's in the house hey karen peterson good to see you another great story from karen peterson anna lynn i see you anna thanks for the squad support guys all right, you know, it's day th day two of my new audio setup. I'm going to, I think I got the sound beats working. Let's do a quick spicy chat. Let me know. Spicy! Holy jeez, that's wicked loud. Wow. If that was too loud for you, let me know, because that just nuked my ears, guys. Also want to remind you that we will be doing a giveaway all week, including today, for a World of Haiku license key. World of Haiku, the futuristic set cybersecurity game that uh, is entertaining and educational, teaching you some skills in the cybersecurity space. Just released. We will be releasing a uh, raffling off uh, license key. So be sure to check it out. Um, uh, be sure to stay with us, obviously. Hey, Pamela, good to see you. That was too loud. Was it too loud? I can, I can goose it down a little bit, guys. Let me goose it down a little bit. Line in. Let's, hold on, ready? Let's do this. This is 75%. It was 100 before. That at least doesn't make my ears want to bleed. Let me know in chat if that's good. Oh, you got to be joking me with this. Okay. Um, guys, I got to get a new computer too. This, I, I, I pushed I pushed my, my current computer yesterday very far to the edge uh, playing World of Haiku. Not that the game is so demanding, but I was encoding the stream. I was pushing stream. I was trying to do chat. I was playing the game, running a Steam client. Needless to say, my little Dell XPS was like the like, please, boss, no more, please, please, just do word processing on me, do Excel spreadsheets on me. You're supposed to be a GRC analyst. You're supposed to be a CISO. What are you doing with all this high intensity graphics power? So, might have to get a new machine. All right, guys, make sure your coffee's ready. Fifteen second countdown. I've got my cup. Saw, saw the Minions movie last night with the family. Good times. Good times. Not not the best one in the franchise, but definitely set itself up for, um, you know, several future movies, to put it plainly. Mm. Oh, yes. Guys, make no mistake. There is no faking Starbucks French roast. I swear to God, you could put a blindfold on me and give me 40 cups of coffee, and I will tell you exactly which one is this one. That should be a sin. All right, guys, let's get into it. Oh, no, Pamela. Decaf only. Run. 
Run for the hills. Okay. Yeah, we might do a game in PC. I'll tell you guys really quick. I thought about this. I don't have a ton of cycles, but I could see a reality in about in about two years because uh, I don't plan on stopping what I'm doing. But in two years, I think I might get a lot more free time. <laughs> okay, so kind of projecting a little bit two years. If I were to start another YouTube channel, I'm going to do one called Simply Cyber Games, and it will be a channel just for live streaming cybersecurity only video games. This is how much I love cybersecurity. I would do a game channel, but exclusively on cyber. Threat Gen Red versus Blue, World of Haiku, Hacker Simulator, Cyberpunk 2077. I don't care, but it's got to be cyber. It's got to be games. It's got to be fun. I'm all in. Look for it. Couple years. Uh, that's quite the quite the tease. Yeah, we're giving away a haiku license uh, later in the show. So let's get into the news, guys. Okay, let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Hopefully, you can hear that. It's Tuesday, July twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. Lockbit hits Italy. The Italian news agency ANSA reports that authorities are investigating the theft of 78 gigabytes of data from the country's tax agency. Oh, are you serious with this? Are you serious you can't hear this? Hold on one second. It's at like level 0.5. Okay. All right. So you guys, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you can hear it. It's just the volume's low. I got you. Let's do this. Ready? Ready? Check it out. I've got four sliders. The attack on its leak site, saying it obtained. Hold on, we'll get this sorted out. Scans and financial reports from the agency showing screenshots as evidence, according to Palo Alto. The theft of seventy security headlines. How's that? It's Tuesday, July twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. How's that? I think that that's good, right? Yeah, boy. Lockbit hits Italy. The Italian news agency ANSA reports that authorities are investigating the theft of 78 gigabytes of data from the country's tax agency. The Lockbit 3.0 ransomware group took credit for the attack on its leak site, saying it obtained 100 gigabytes of documents, scans, and financial reports from the agency, showing screenshots as evidence. According to Palo Alto Networks, Lockbit accounted for 46% of all ransomware-related breaches in 2022 through May. All right. Quantum cybersecurity. All right. So... Classic, classic uh, starter pistol off. Jerry falls flat on his face out the gate. Um, trying to get, trying to get this uh, set up a little bit. We'll, we'll continue to work on it, guys. I, uh, I've got the slider all the way to the top. I'm suggested setting the gain up, but the gain is only from my mic that I can find, and I can't adjust anything else. We will sort this out later, guys. Okay. So Lockbit, um, Lockbit is kind of like the new, I don't want to say new kid on the street, but Lockbit's certainly um, been in the news uh, quite a bit lately. Uh, it looks like they're hitting Italy. I Again, I apologize. Hopefully you guys listened to it. I was trying to do some production stuff. Um, I don't even know what SOA got, SPA. Lockbit 3.0. See, yeah, Lockbit lock 3.0 2019. This is the one that is written in Rust um, that moves incredibly quickly. Um, PA Networks 42 is reporting in on it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to just kind of like punt on this story. Long story short, guys, Lockbit 
Lockbit's a nasty bit of ransomware. You might be able to look at MITRE ATT&CK TTPs for Lockbit to test whether or not your organization is a little bit more resilient um, for defending against Lockbit and being able to recover. Uh, you know, I guess the key takeaway to give you some value, thank you, BSEC, for linking to PA42 um, in the chat. Guys, there are... <laughs> okay, so on the show, I'll talk about like, oh, vendor report release that, you know, you know, every single cyber attack starts with email, right? And then you find out that it's like an email company that is wrote the report. I will tell you, there are a few, what I would call high quality, high fidelity threat research groups out there. Unit 42 from Palo Alto is definitely one of those. Like BSEC dropped a link, it, whether it's this story, whether it's any story, they are awesome. Google tag Threat Analysis Group, they are really, really good too. I like them. Cisco, Talos, I used to like. Um, I've kind, my interest has kind of waned on them over the last couple of years. But uh, you know, this daily threat briefing is good. But if you want of a more technical kind of unpacking of how and 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 like you know the technical specs of what's going on, the Unit Forty Two and the Tag, the Google Tag, are excellent resources. Security Bill heads to the Senate. Earlier this month, the bipartisan Quantum Computing Cybersecurity Preparedness Act passed the U.S. House. The bill mandates that the Office of Management and Budget supervise the migration process of federal agencies to post-quantum cryptography. OBM would work off of recommended post-quantum cryptography standards and keep Congress informed of progress as well as any new risks and needs for additional funding. The bill now heads to the Senate. It's received support from Google, IBM, and other tech companies working in the nascent quantum computing field. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Imagine, like, did you hear that? How's that even a thing? Like, the bill is supported by Google and, and a few other niche businesses that are in the quantum space? Yeah, obviously. They're the ones helping shape the bill. They're the experts that are informing the legislators. And, oh, by the way, I'm sure they're in a position to financially profit from any legislation that requires the utility of quantum computing that they're selling. Again, I'm not... Normally, I get a little uh, fussy britches when it comes to uh, kind of... I, I, I'm not... I'm an advocate of capitalism. I think capitalism is a good thing, but sometimes it can be exploited. Uh, this is one of those times where I don't feel like it's exploited, right? I mean, there, there's very companies doing it. So in order to make the legislation actually have real life value and, and, and merit, you need those industry experts to comment on it and then obviously uh, set themselves up for success. So not super mad about this. I will say that I appreciate, I do appreciate that the federal government is making what I would consider material progress in cybersecurity legislation. Now, I know some people are more libertarian and they're like, you know, the feds don't need to like... Um, legislate everything you know big government all these things but when it comes to cybersecurity, you know they're if they they're setting policy and tone at the top and it's just like a business guys and if you're new here or like you're new to the industry uh this is something you should know and if you're new here you probably haven't heard me say this yet but this is a fact at a business the tone at the top is so important so how does management what is their meta about cybersecurity? Is it a checkbox compliance thing? Do they do what they want when they want or do they follow the rules too? Because 
whatever leadership's doing, whatever the, like the executives are doing, will push down to the workforce. It's just a reality. And the same can be said for the United States as a you know entity or as a business. Whatever they're doing at the federal level gets pushed down. It sets tone. It sets direction. States then follow suit in some instances, or it helps, you know, the federal government says like, we're marching this way, right? And it's like a vector. Okay, we're marching this way. So maybe states don't march the same exact line as everyone, but they're all walking in that direction. So this, this, the, all of this legislation, Obama had some, Trump had some, Biden's got some. Um, I really feel it's great for our industry. Windows adds brute force defense. Windows updated the defaults on Windows 11 Insider Preview builds to now automatically lock accounts for 10 minutes after 10 invalid sign-in attempts. Vice President of OS Security David Weston said this is meant to mitigate attacks using remote desktop protocol and other brute force password vectors. Microsoft does warn that this change may result in denial of service attacks on open RDP ports. If this setting sounds great to you, you can already use it in Windows 10. It's just not on by default. O-M-G. I wish I had a, um, oh my God, I wish I had a sounder for this. I don't use this one very often. Oh, that's so soft too. Oh, guys, the, 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 the Ryu fireball is the best I can do. This is like the opposite of an RDP ransomware story. Like, like this, this is awesome. This is awesome, guys. RDP, remote desktop protocol, 30, port 3389. There's no reason at all at all to have this listening on the internet right where rdp should be can be used for remote administration oh jesus just lost a light here i got all frothed up and excited and i knocked a light over god the studio okay so listen microsoft rdp wicked awesome but it shouldn't it should only be used internally if you have to use it at all there's nothing wrong with bsec being on his own network and then jumping into carl's machine to help with whatever via RDP or any remote desktop protocol. I don't care if you're using VNC view or whatever. The problem happens when you start to introduce external networks interfacing. So internet facing devices, right? You're at Carl's at Starbucks now and RDP is listening. Typically it's brute force, right? I mean, yes, there was the, um, there was a, a blue keep vulnerability that could have been exploited two years ago. You could Google that if you want. Yes, you could have pushed through, but for the most part, RDP gets broken through either brute force or password dumps, right? A lot of people use, like if, you're, if your password right now is summer 2022 exclamation point, guess what? Bad guys can guess that just as easily as I just said it. It's like a magic trick I just did, but in reality, people are bad at making passwords. So it's easy to, or to brute force it, right? Most humans, just here's a spoiler alert, you can pull this magic trick out of your hat at your next uh, security awareness training. Most people, humans, this is your password, capital letter, collection of lowercase letters, a number, either two or four digits, and then an exclamation point. That's like 70% of people's password, that, that regex I just explained, right? It's not magic, man. People make bad, like passphrases. You know what? Okay, so I'm on a mission here. Cyber resiliency is what the industry should be called, not cybersecurity. I'll never unseat cybersecurity, but cyber resiliency is where it's at. And then the word password needs to be put next to Internet Explorer in the graveyard. And the word passphrase needs to emerge as the victory royale winner for like what we say as an industry. Again, very difficult to unseat the word password. 
definitely impossible to unseat the word cybersecurity, but I'm just saying, if you use passphrase, brute force attacks aren't going to work. This is awesome. They said it's available on Windows 10 automatically. You can enable it. I would recommend, I might even do this as a uh, exercise on LinkedIn and YouTube as a post later where I, where I post a screenshot of exactly how to do this uh, because this is awesome. Way to go, Microsoft. Like, slow clap. Woo, I am going to hit spicy. spicy. Only because I, I got so excited, I knocked my lighting setup <laughs> or one of my lights over. These things happen, guys. It's a, a workplace hazard. Google working on Chrome's GDPR compliance. The Dutch Ministry of Education imposed restrictions on the use of Chrome OS and the Chrome browser in schools over concerns that how Google stores and processes student data violates GDPR. Schools can still use Chrome, but must implement additional measures to protect student data. In a letter to the Dutch Parliament, the Minister of Education said Google promised new versions of Chrome next year that would resolve GDPR concerns in education. This also comes after the Danish privacy watchdog banned the use of Google Workspace and Chromebooks in the municipality of Elsinore over concerns about data transfer rules. All right. So, guys, we are seeing GDPR. Like, So in the United States, we don't really have great privacy laws. Um, and we have some, but not, not anything like Europe. Uh, and GDPR, again, putting teeth to the policy. Um, in this uh, story, they're talking about Google Chrome. It's being used. Google really attacked the academic market, K through 12 space. I don't know what they call it in Europe, but like essentially like elementary school children um, right before college or university. And they did a great job with it. But it, because of GDPR, I'm kind of actually surprised it took this long. Um, legislators are pushing back and saying, hey, you collect way too much data. It's not compliant with GDPR. You know, students probably don't have the ability to be aware of what you're tracking. They probably don't have the ability to uh, decline being tracked, all these things. So one thing that Google's doing, it sounds like the, the it sounds like the the juice is worth the squeeze, if you know what I mean, uh, for Google to be in that European market. So um, they are going to upfit Chrome maybe for a European version, maybe for all versions uh, to comply with GDPR and, and offer these type of privacy uh, conditions. It will be interesting. Again, um, privacy is slightly overlaid in information security. Uh, so I do care about it, just not as much as I care about cybersecurity. It will be interesting to see if Google releases a forked GDPR compliant or a European edition of Google Chrome simply because obviously Google's collecting whatever data they're collecting that's violating GDPR as some type of business asset. So if they can still collect it on US citizens and it's a value to them, why would they stop doing it in order to comply with Europe, European law? You know what I'm saying? So it will be interesting if there's a forked version or if they disable things um, by default on the US version, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So Hamza is asking if GDPR policy can force the hands of big tech companies. This is what we're seeing already, Hamza. Google is going to be changing the way Chrome works. And I, I do appreciate that European Union was like legit with them. They said it; they would change it next year. You can't just like, you know, recklessly go in and change some stuff and, and see if it complies. Like it does take time. You do have to roadmap it and figure out how it fits into the bigger production. Uh, and really quick as Hamza is asking, 
we saw a story um, in early February, if you guys have been fans or following the Simply Cyber Daily Threat Briefing for a while, in February, Facebook and Meta, well, Meta via Facebook and Instagram was getting pushback regarding GDPR and the tracking and all that. And they actually uh, decided that they were going to pull out or stop, if you guys remember, right? So that was like a business decision. We, we commented how the cost of implementing these GDPR uh, compliant controls obviously didn't have the return on investment that they would be making off you know, the assets of the data, the citizens. Guys, it's all about the money, right? What's, what's it about, Randy? Straight cash, homie. That's right. Straight cash, homie. Guys, it's all about money. Whenever businesses are making decisions, yeah, sometimes they can spin it in good light. Like, oh, you know, we're doing it for philanthropy. We're doing it for climate. But, and they might be, right? They might be, but chances are they're also benefiting financially from it. Businesses are for profit. Again, it's, I mean, it's capitalism, right? I mean, most businesses do not make a business decision that negatively impacts financials. It's very uncommon. All right, let's listen to CISO series promo. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Sneak. Developers want to code fast and security wants to ship securely. And that's why they both choose Sneak. Backed by industry-leading security intelligence, Sneak provides real-time scanning with automated fixes and remediation advice right from the tools and workflows developers use. Code, dependencies, containers, cloud infrastructure, all of it. And while developers are building securely, Sneak gives security teams a bird's eye view of all of their projects so they can prioritize and focus their efforts in the right places. Developer tested, security approved. Start your free Sneak account at sneak.co slash cybersecurity. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks to CISO Series for the, for the, uh, the, 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 you know, the advert for the Sneak. Uh, just as a quick aside, uh, I've worked in developer spaces, uh, both as a developer and as a security person. And I'll tell you what, you know what developers don't want? <laughs> security people having a bird's eye view of their overall project and getting up in their weeds. What developers want are, what are your security requirements? Now leave me alone. They definitely don't want you all up in their biznatch. I mean, you still have to get up in that um, in order to do your job well, but um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so real quick, uh, Matt Admin, I want to shout out what's up, woo, right? The woo. I do love uh, the woo. Uh, it's been a minute, but I do love them. All right, guys, let's talk about World of Haiku for a hot minute. World of Haiku, it is a new, came out this week, cybersecurity, near future, kind of like Cyberpunk 2077, but PG version. And it is an educational platform. Uh, so it teaches you. I've only played a couple levels. It's been basic Linux operating system interfacing. So if you'd like to learn a little, like if you don't have any exposure to Linux and you want fun story arc, um, you know, this is pretty cool. It's on Steam right now. I spoke to the CEO of the company yesterday, uh, Eric Basu. Great guy, Navy SEAL, very cool. Uh, he told me kind of what the roadmap was for World of Haiku. They have some short-term plans, including releasing... Uh, free downloadable content in September, kind of like levels to add to it. Um, some other stuff that's coming up that I'm not allowed to talk about right now because of NDA, but I'm just telling you, they have got some really cool stuff coming out. Um, and I played this game on stream. I'll be playing it on stream a few more times uh, this week and next week. So if you're interested in seeing that gameplay, 
hit the bell like or hit subscribe, then hit the bell for notifications and it'll tell you because uh, I might only tell people like with an hour or two hours worth of advance notice that I'm going to be going live. But yesterday we had a great time with everybody in stream uh, playing. So we are going to raffle off um, a license key right now. So guys, here is it. I, I, I've got high hopes here. The keyword today is haiku. Haiku. You can see the word haiku right here on the top. H-A-I-K-U. H-A-I-K-U. Enter the word haiku to enter the raffle. We are raffling off one license key every single day today. There you go. Jordan Y knows what's up. We're raffling off one license key a day for the world of haiku. It is good times, people. Available on Steam. If you don't end up winning, but you do want a copy, uh, you can pick it up on Steam World of Haiku. Uh, I do have, um, I have like I have a link that I can provide. It doesn't. I'm not like an affiliate, so I don't get you know affiliate fees or anything by clicking on the link. But it would tell people that simply Cyber sent you. I don't have the link now, though. Uh, of course, I don't. Uh, so I'll, I'll provide that. You can just go on Steam and Google World of Haiku, or, or not Google, but search for World of Haiku. You'll find it. Also, really quick, while we're queuing up, I want to let people know that tomorrow um, at 11.30 a.m. on ThreatGen's YouTube channel, I will be playing live Red versus Blue. I will be a Blue Team operator, meaning I'll be stepping inside a cybersecurity simulation platform operating as a CISO, building my own information security program from the ground up i'll be explaining my moves okay i'll be explaining my moves and why i'm making the business decisions i'm making in the cybersecurity simulation platform as an active adversary artificial intelligence attacks me via the red my model this week will be the nist cybersecurity framework so if you want to learn about the NIST cybersecurity framework, why it's awesome, come on by tomorrow at 11.30. You can find it at youtube.com slash threatgen. The, the, uh, the title threatgen is at the top of the promo card. You can see it right there. All right, let's keep rolling. Google gets closer to acquiring Mandiant. According to a new regular filing from Mandiant filed with the security and Exchange Commission, the Department of Justice approved its action by Google and waived the mandatory merger waiting period. This waiver was apparently a condition of the sale. Google announced plans for the acquisition back in March and will put Mandiant under its Google Cloud business unit. At $5.4 billion, the deal marks Google's second largest acquisition ever, only behind its 2011 purchase of Motorola Mobility for $12.5 billion. Mandiant expects the deal to close by the end of 2022, but may be blocked by a shareholder lawsuit filed in april in loan scams plague all right well this this was big news story um this was a big news story when it was announced not too long ago yeah march right here um 5.4 billion dollars you know obviously a lot of money purchasing mandiant so if you guys don't know and with all the love and respect for barricade cyber solutions uh mandiant is is kind of like the enterprise corporate, you know, 5,000 person uh, incident response company. You will typically see, this is another one for people who are new to the industry. You will typically see 
when there is a big, splashy cybersecurity incident, Mandiant is the one that gets called in. You'll see like, oh, and Mandiant, you know, Mandiant's doing the briefing or whatever on what happened. Colonial Pipeline, um, Baltimore government, Atlanta, um, you know, the, these kind of big ones. It's just it's just common. Mandiant's got, um, you know, they, they kind of grew out of the FireEye brand. Um, they're known for their incident response. They've got great um, processes and procedures, great staff. It, it is definitely a you know, platinum, you know, forensics company or incident response company. So Google's acquiring them again. Yeah. I've, I've worked with Mandiant myself. They are professional. I've worked with FireEye. They are professional, not affiliated with them in any way, but I have had great experiences. Um, you know, I guess the fun thing to do here is to really muse about what Google's long-term play is with Mandiant. Maybe some folks have dug into it a little and they have some theory. I, I do not. All, all I could think of is, you know, I guess why would Google want an incident response company? You know, that's incident. Res, here's the thing: incident response is professional services. Google is a software company that you know makes most of their money off of marketing and advertising, right? So it doesn't seem like it necessarily aligns perfectly. But you know, I guess the one thing I'm thinking of is Google's trying to make a, a push into cloud, right? I mean, obviously they have Google Cloud and they do Google Workspaces. And we talked about the K through 12 earlier in the show, but Azure is unmistakably the, like, the business solution. Google has Google Workspaces, which is a comp, right? It's comparable. It's, it doesn't have the market share that they have, but Google has something that can legitimately complete with Office 365. My only thought is that they're acquiring Mandiant in order to offer a complete holistic managed incident response or managed security services as a service as part of their office or as part of their corporate service package, right? So, so let's play it out for a second. <clears throat> you can go with Google or you can go with Microsoft and Microsoft has exchange online protection, great email, great security gateway. Google's like, hey, don't worry. Not only do we have good uh, protection controls, but we also provide detection and response and recovery controls as well. What do you think about that? Hey, business, why don't you not sweat incident? Um, excuse me. Hey, business, why don't you not sweat cybersecurity? We got you. We offer business services, so IT as a service, and we offer InfoSec service, InfoSec as a service, right? In my mind, that's the only play because, dude, $5 billion for a professional services company that doesn't align to what your main business product offering is doesn't make sense. But you know what does make sense? Google making tons of money because they've done it time and time again. They took YouTube, which used to be like a tutorial lookup site, and turned it into like the number one site in the world, which they make way, 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 way amounts of money, right? So that's what I think is the deal. That's what I think is the deal. They're going, so here's my thing. Look for 2023, like daily cyber threat briefing, mid 2023, Google announcing that they're going to start offering cybersecurity services as part of their monthly fee that gets you business services. And then by 2024, uh, early 2024, insurance companies are beginning to offer better premiums if you move off of Office 365 into Google Workspaces. And then uh, end of 2024, there's a legit... One uh, A, one B, for that. That that or or 2024. Microsoft has acquired 
a professional service company or built it internally and are offering a comparable service. Hot takes. Mercy! Mexico. In Mexico, more than 100 instant loan applications have emerged, which exfiltrate data from victims and are used by Monte de Duas, a form of organized crime for extortion. After requesting the loan, the Monte de Duas demand advance payment. This is followed up using networks like Facebook, Twitter, or WhatsApp to dox the person who requested the loan, as well as their relatives and contacts, publishing exfiltrated media from the victim, and even sending edited photos of pornographic content with the face of the victim. 35 of these applications are available in the Google Play Store. The Congress of Mexico City has requested the investigation of these applications by local investigators. Mm-hmm. Uber. That is deplorable. But, you know, as gross as it is, man, this is a classic scammer's going to scam, criminal's going to criminal, okay? So, what's, like... For, like, if you're going to be a criminal for financial gain, first thing you got to do is identify a target. Who's your mark? What's the what's the goal? What's the score? What's the play? In this case, um, like extortion. And the worst part is they're taking advantage of people who are already down, already marginalized. So here's the deal. And there's a bigger macro story here as well. Here's the deal. You know, me, Pamela, Kimberly, and Bass are going to Black Hat DEFCON. And between the four of us, we've got... $18. Not enough to send us, okay? We don't need a $100,000 loan. We just need, you know, like 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 a $250 loan so the four of us can get bus tickets, okay? So we can use this little uh micro loan app, which there are legitimate ones in order to request the money. Well, just like everything else, you know, in the Google Play Store, you know, doesn't do a great job of of screening all these things. Um clones pop up fake apps. You got 50 different options when you type in microloan app on Google Play Store. You choose one. You know, you're more than likely to hit one that's a, a scam. Looks legit. Even the code base is probably legit because it's not malware. It's the service on the back end that's exploiting your trust in what the service is. You put in all your personal information because you're putting in for a loan, including your face. And then they, um, you're basically giving bad guys your data, right? So then they extort you. They, you know, I, here's my thing, like take your face and then stick it on a naked person. Um, I guess that could feel violating. Um, I know with some of the deep fake stuff, we've seen celebrities get, um, deep faked onto adult film stars and they, you know, obviously feel violated by that. So anyways, this just sucks. Like, you know, it seems like a lot of effort and a, like, I don't want to call it sophisticated, but a lot of effort and time. And what, again, following the money, what's the return on investment? You're going to exploit and extort people who were trying to put in for a micro loan? Like, what's the goal there? Like, they, they, they're already financially suffering where they're requesting micro loans. You're going to do what? Just be a jerk? Like, that's your, that's your move? I don't know who's got free time to just be a jerk, but that that's not, I mean, what's your problem, dude? How can, like, these people, how can they sleep at night? Like, oh, yeah. Really extorted the crap out of that woman today. Job well done. Going to bed. Like, I don't know, man. Reaches final settlement on 2016 breach. Uber reached a settlement on a 2016 data breach that impacted 57 million passengers and drivers. As part of the settlement, Uber will not be prosecuted for the incident, and it admits it failed to report the incident to the Federal Trade Commission. 
Uber will also cooperate with the prosecution of its former security chief, Joseph Sullivan, who allegedly attempted to cover up the incident. In September 2018, the company paid $148 million to settle claims with all 50 U.S. states over the incident and agreed to maintain a comprehensive privacy program for 20 years. We'll probably hear more on Sullivan's case as it gets underway, but this appears to end Uber's direct liability. All right, so this is one of these stories that, you know, if you have infinite money, <laughs> if you have infinite money, you can hire infinite lawyers and you can ultimately be found not liable, not guilty, etc. Um, so long story short, 2016, Uber gets hacked, ransomware, data exfil. They're talking with the threat actors. Mandiant was probably called in honestly. And they, they, they pay $140 million or whatever. They pay a substantial ransom. Threat actors, I forget exactly the details. They either keep their mouth shut or they're so horned up about having busted Uber and gotten, you know, a, a tenth of a billion dollars um, that they, they leak it and it gets out. And then Uber has this ugly, ugly stain on their shirt of you know, basically losing um, customers and drivers' data, massive data breach, not reporting it. Um, the FTC gets involved, who's like basically consumers' uh, watchdog uh, and protector. And n now they've been in like a six-year lawsuit. And ultimately, they had to apologize to 50 states. They had to pay fines, right? Again, going back to infinite money. Great cash, homie. And the ultimate disposition is you like basically no criminal charges, no big deal, no big deal. Like you paid enough money. This, this is part of where capitalism kind of falls down. It gets a little gross. Uh, yes, CR, they had the actors sign the NDAs. That's, that's part of the comical part. Dudes, you like they're criminals. They're already criminals. You think they're going to give one damn about your NDA? Like, the fact that they, the fact that the business at Uber was like, oh no, we need to approach this from a business mindset, a risk reduction. We'll have them sign NDAs. No one will know. It's like, dude, are you joking right now? Have you, what, what a, what a, what a knucklehead. Anyways, just the, this just shows you that you know it's pay to play. T-Mobile looks to settle 2021 data breach. T-Mobile agreed to make $350 million available as class action settlements for its 2021 data breach that leaked social security numbers, phone numbers, addresses, and driver's license information on over 75 million people. According to documents seen by Reuters, 30% of this will go to attorney's fees, with impacted individuals slated to receive $25 each. T-Mobile also committed to spending an additional $150 million to upgrade data security. As part of the settlement, T-Mobile does not admit guilt. This settlement still needs to be approved by the court and is expected to happen by the end of this year. This week. I, I love, I love. Okay. So God dang. So here's another story about pay to play. And now consumers get hosed. Okay. First of all, T-Mobile data breach. That sucks. T-Mobile. Huge lawsuit. What's the disposition of the lawsuit? Everybody affected, if they fill out the paperwork and everything, get $25. Ooh, right? I'm not saying if I saw $25 on the ground, I wouldn't pick it up. 
But think about this. Like, this is actually fast moving. 2021 data breach. I'm stunned. Usually it's like a two, like, typically it's like a 2011, like, you know, like some type of data breach from Singular, like, you know, before they got acquired. So this is pretty fast moving. These type of data class action lawsuits in the United States, they're like one step above ambulance chasers where you uh, like, you know, like involved in an accident or a workplace accident, call, you know, this lawyer and we'll get you set up. My client got a million dollars, right? Like these class action lawsuits, man, the lawyers make bank and the consumers who are actually the victims who the case is being brought for, they get $25. I, I remember I, I like went through, like I filled out like a Netflix, Walmart class action lawsuit thing years ago. I was going to get $3.00. And I never even got it. Like I, to this day, it was like the biggest waste of time, which is why I have such disdain uh, for these type of stories. Um, you see this five hundred million dollars, and you're thinking, "Yeah, like stick it to the man. Like this is awesome. Like I was a victim. I got the letter in the mail." And then you get like twenty five dollars if you fill out a ton of paperwork within certain time frames. It's gross. The other thing that I will point out that I do appreciate is that as part of the settlement. T-Mobile had to invest $150 million into securing their infrastructure. Now, I'd love to see the budget. I'll never see it. Um, a lot of ham, <laughs> a lot of ham gets baked into those things, right? Like $150 million doesn't mean that they buy $150 million worth of hardware and plug it in and make it more secure. $150 million is the total budget, right? So now you've got project managers, you've got internal staff, you've got legal, you got marketing, like you got all this. Um, and some of it's warranted, but they'll just bake in all sorts of stuff into it. Um, you know, travel, and then you, you know, you, it's still $150 million. So they will do some improvements that will make things more secure, but it's not a full $150 million. So you got to be mindful of how that budget's going to be carved up. The other and final thing that I will point out about this that just rubs my, rubs me the wrong way or grinds my gears to pull a family guy reference as part of the settlement, T-Mobile is allowed to is allowed to admit that they are not guilty, right? Like they don't like they officially don't admit guilt. It's like what five hundred million dollars, hundred and fifty million dollars. You had to apologize to fifty states. You got to do all this stuff, except you're not guilty. Like obviously you're guilty, and it's just stupid that part of like the settlement is that they don't admit guilt. Like that, like I don't know. I know it's a nuanced thing, but it's just, I don't know. All right, so that, that does it. I'm going to turn the audio on. Let's see what happens. There we go. Hopefully you guys can hear that. Um, that's going to do it for this stream. I want to remind everybody that this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Simply Cyber Live, a.k.a. the Simply Cyber YouTube channels, we will be welcoming CISO and founder of Sim Monster, Chris Rock, the Australian practitioner who is an innovative thinker, really cool guy. Probably not probably. He is one of the top three. We will be doing the giveaway in a second. Hot mustard gas. Chris Rock is one of the three best, absolutely appointment viewing speakers of all time. If you're curious who my other two are, I will tell you it is Patrick Wardle and John Strand. Chris Rock, Patrick Wardle, John Strand. Patrick Wardle speaks at Black Hat DEF CON every single year. 
So if, you, if you're going out there this year, check him out. He is the Apple guy. He's basically the guy who, who does all the security for Apple, former NSA. Uh, just an amazing speaker. I don't care what he's talking about. He could be reading a menu, and I'd be like, yes, Patrick, that's good menu, right? Like, it's just good. And then obviously, y'all know John Strand. Chris Rock's only done a few talks, but they're always mind-blowing. Love it. Can't wait to bring him on for the show. Definitely check it out. All right, let's do the World of Haiku drawing. Good luck to everybody. World of Haiku. I, I'd pull the stream up, but um, it was like taxing my system. Good luck to everybody who entered the word haiku into chat. Today's winner for World of Haiku is Gerald Wheatley. Gerald Wheatley. Great name, by the way, Gerald. Just want to say great name. Gerald Wheatley, please connect with me on Discord at simplycyber.io slash discord. Simplycyber.io slash discord. If you're not already a member of the Simply Cyber Discord community, and I will get you your license key, and you can get into the world of haiku with everybody else. Looks like I ran a couple minutes uh, short today, which is perfect. I want to thank everybody. Um, I'm going to engage with chat for a few more minutes, but if you just were here for the cyber threat briefing, thank you very much. Definitely drop a line in chat. Make sure you get credit for the CPEs. We'll be here tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, for the Wednesday Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Thank you so much. Now, let me say what's up to a couple people. Hey, Will Reed. Hey, Poner Joe on the West Coast. Loving it. Gregor Litek on LinkedIn. Ahmed Haram. Thanks for the nice words about the stream. Shane Prevost, hopefully you're enjoying it. If you get the world of haiku, Shane, I'd be curious how your kids like it. I plan on I plan on playing it um, and then getting my son involved, 10-year-old, uh, and see how he fares on it. Yeah, Alex Goodwin, little bias, little bias. There aren't many Gerald's running around, so I, uh, you know, I always, you know, tip tip a cup of coffee. Hey, little nod to Gerald. Thanks, Will Reed. Yeah, smash that like button if you did get value. The value of hitting the like button basically tells the algorithm that people liked the stream and it will suggest the stream to others, uh, which is cool because hopefully the algorithm is good enough to know that only people that are digging into cybersecurity stuff would enjoy that. Poner Joe, DEF CON this weekend. DEF CON is uh, the second week of August, like August 9th, 10th, 11th. I will be in Vegas. I'm pretty busy at the first half of Black Hat. I arrive Tuesday. Um, I am on a panel discussion with um, Trend Micro is hosting it. This is this. I haven't told anyone this yet. I've been asked to be on a panel for Trend Micro. They're hosting a talk. I don't know who else is on the panel, but the topic is cybersecurity in the metaverse. Um, so I'll be on that panel. It is on August. 10th, I believe, um, at 9 a.m. Um, Vegas time, which I think is Pacific. Um, I've also asked Trend if they wanted to push, since I'll be on the panel, I would be uh, I would be uh, willing to have their feeds pushed into the Simply Cyber feeds. So basically the Simply Cyber YouTube channel and my LinkedIn channels would co-stream co the Trend Micro feed which I'm hoping, I mean, obviously, A, I'm on the panel, so I feel like it applies, but B, it would be interesting if, um, you know, they have a really great production 
um, you know, so then it, it's even cooler, right? Yeah, I, I will try to have it uh, streamed, Poner Joe. We'll see. Maybe I'll try to work in some type of like hidden message or something or wear like a team replay shirt or I'll probably wear a blazer. Honestly, it's hot as crap in Vegas. But I feel like if I'm on a panel, like a big panel on stage at Black Hat, I should wear a, a, like a at least a polo, if not a button down or like a, a, a polo and a suit jacket. But guys, it's like 100 degrees and like sweltering. Like I, wearing a suit jacket's not my jam. It's not my jam. All right. Uh, thanks, Hamza, Mufti. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. We'll go a couple more minutes. Um, like I said, I have been streaming, obviously, Threat Gen Red versus Blue, which has been really fun. I started streaming World of Haiku yesterday. My, my gaming rig, it's not a gaming rig. It's my work laptop. Definitely pushing its limits here. Um, so I think I might be getting... Uh, a new computer, which no one in this stream probably cares about. Um, but what it would mean for you is that my stream would be less, uh, would have less production issues, right? Maybe the audio gets sorted out officially. Maybe uh, things don't get chunky when I switch tabs and stuff like that. Cool dry fit polo and you'll be good. All right. You know what? Kimberly lives in Miami. She knows she knows a thing or two about, about closing in the heat. So that's how it rolls. Hey, B. Cole, B. Cole, shout out to the SC team for sure. Tom Bishop's in the hizzy. Jess Bishop, love it. Hashtag team live. Yeah, so uh, Joshua B.'s wife's Facebook account got hacked. 50 bucks. Oh, what a jerk. Ended up deleting the Facebook account. That sucks. Joshua, did your wife have MFA on the account? I'm kind of curious. i9, 128 gig RAM, 3060 graphics card. All right. I've got a... Joel Belton, will you will you uh, DM me those specs? Base case sent me some specs too, but I would like to uh, collect some information. Whew. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it. I'm trying to think of uh, some interesting... Oh, oh, one other thing uh, to share with you guys, and then I'm going to boogie out of here. Um, oh, by the way, obviously, the gaming computer's got to have um, like retro synthwave color schemes, right? Like hot pinks and, and like light blues, you know, kind of Miami Vice style. That's my jam. Okay, uh, one other thing that's really, really cool that I want to share with you guys, okay? In September... You guys know that I work for ThreatGen, obviously. And on Wednesdays, I play the Red versus Blue cybersecurity simulation game. And some Wednesdays, I play against another human, right? I recently played Eric Taylor and lost. I recently played Brandon Poole and lost. I played Josh Mason and won. Okay, so uh, these head-to-head these -head matches are really, really fun. And Clint and I, CEO over at ThreatGen, had an idea. Let's do a tournament. So I have reached out and invited seven other participants. I will be one of the contestants for an eight person tournament that will be live streamed and it'll go over the course of a week and there'll be leaderboards and, and, and brackets and like March Madness, except cybersecurity gaming and stuff like that. So stay tuned for that. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm, I'm in charge of the entire event. Uh, so I've been heavily involved in like organization, logistics, uh, marketing, gameplay, obviously. So if you're interested in that, definitely, um, you know, look forward to it. I will be sharing with all of you. 
Uh, I hope to win it. I hope to win it, obviously, but whoever does win it, uh, will it will be exciting for everybody. Uh, so stay tuned for more information on that, obviously. Uh, thanks, Hamza. My budget, I'm thinking 1500 bucks uh, for the computer. I've got to talk to my employer and see if they want to pony up some... some uh, <laughs> if they want to throw down some cash money uh, and give me like a quantum computing rig, you know, that would be cool. You know, maybe I could sign up for the uh, the heated seats version on this machine for eight bucks a month. Get the subscription model. If you guys watched the threat briefing yesterday, BMW's gouging their their uh, their customers with a uh, subscription model for heated seats. All right, guys. I really enjoy talking to you. Thanks for having the cup of coffee with me. We did the daily cyber threat briefing. I hope you got value out of it. Obviously, as I mentioned before, hit the like button. But more importantly, if you think someone in your network would benefit from the daily threat briefing, which I think many, many people do benefit from it. I know I personally benefit from it as well. I am a practitioner in addition to doing all this standing up and waving my arms around and being spicy. Share with them the daily threat briefing. Also, check out the simplycyber.io website as I just relaunched it the other day. And I think it's pretty smooth and pretty cool. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. All the best to all of you. Thank you. Have a good one.